friends, and welcome into the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. It is the Week 17 recap with a little bit of a look at Week 18, the final week of your fantasy football season. I am Chris Welsh. You can find me on Twitter at Is It The Welsh. That right there is Brandon Funston on Twitter at Brandon Funston. And we are coming off of a insanely, insanely tragic event on Monday Night Football that has not ended the Week 17 season. And we actually are in a uh, an odd situation, Brandon, because we were technically going to do this episode on Monday morning. And this would not have been part of or any of the narrative of what we've been talking about. I had a thing. So we pushed it to Tuesday, which we had done around the holiday season, which wasn't, I don't think, anything crazy, especially going into the final week of the season. And, you know, I think it's good in the sense that we didn't do that episode. So we didn't have an entire episode that was not talking about probably one of the scariest football events We've ever seen the actual event itself, the the impact of the event that happened to uh, Demar Hamlin. What, you know, not like I wouldn't call it the, the the scariest thing that we've ever seen as far as like that injury goes, but it is every step that preceded it that became uh, a, a horrific football event and a tragedy that we are currently dealing with. That hopefully is going to have a uh, a good ending to all of it. So. Brandon, let's talk about this. We've got to talk about this. I actually missed missed it in real time. And it was a different type of scary for me because I didn't know what happened. And I was just getting the pieces. I actually had gone away for a second and tuned back in to uh, an ambulance around and uh, medical units around Damar Hamlin. And if everybody, obviously, you most likely know what happened, that Damar Hamlin took a really vicious hit to the chest. And what we found out is suffered a cardiac arrest where he got up and then he fell over. And it was it was it's traumatizing, if we're, if we're being honest, really seeing it. And he had to be resuscitated with CPR. It took multiple minutes and he was brought back to the hospital and the positive news is they were able to gain a pulse. They were able to put him on. Uh, he wasn't able to breathe himself, but they were able to put the the tubes in. And he's in a critical condition. I think it was I think it, there's a stable term put to it, but it's in a critical situation that was all really, really scary, Brandon. So I just did a lot of talking there. I don't know what your interaction with this uh, event was, but uh, I n- really never seen anything like it. Yeah, it's weird. I saw T. Higgins make the catch, and I kind of was getting up at the time and walking into the bedroom where I also had the game on. And I think I had stopped to talk to my one of my maybe my wife or my kids. And by the time I got into the bedroom, they were in a very somber tone talking about somebody. And I was like, "What happened?" It was a T. Higgins, you know. And then then I saw the replay. It was right after the fact, and um. Yeah, it was it was crazy. And so, you know, and you mentioned it was a vicious hit, but it, we've seen worse. It was just kind of weird how that played out, you know, and, and I'm not a doctor and I've heard some conjectures about, you know, things that have happened. Like when someone takes a hit in the chest, it can throw your, you know, you can go arrhythmia, I guess is what they call it. Again, I'm not a doctor. I don't want to like guess on what he had, but sometimes a blow to the chest can cause your heart to to change its rhythm and that can throw you into cardiac arrest. And I'm, I'm wondering if that's what's happened. That's what, what I've seen a lot of people speculate on what's happened. Um, there is a story about a soccer player. I think who played in, in the world cup for Netherlands. I want to say who had that happen to him where it was kind of a similar situation. So if we're looking for like, what could be the positive on this, there could be that, that 
you know, and we're going to, we're waiting in the balance as we're recording this. We don't know where he's at, but that's what we're hoping for. Obviously we're hoping for the best case scenario. But when I was watching the game, it was such a, you know, when you're doing CPR on a player on the field, I'm like, there's just no way, there's just no way they're going to be able to keep playing. You could see the reaction of the players. And I totally understood it. I like, I was texting with somebody and I was like, until they know that he's going to be okay, there's no way that the Bills players can go back out there and play. Like, no, you, I, and I think like, it was, the, there were a couple of players or a couple of commentators or someone had said it and there were, you know, 99% of people really stepped up and did a really great job on this. There's the few that everybody knows about that really botched the entire conversation and made it a gross conversation. But the idea, someone had said that it was like, it might've been uh, Booger McFarlane now that I'm thinking about it, that it was like, this wasn't like, and not to be remorse about any other injury, but it's, you know, broken arm, blah, blah, blah. It's not like, it's not like, even to the point of, we've seen some really bad neck injuries that have happened and people have had to been stabilized. And, you know, you also don't know if they'll walk again. Like that is horrific and tragic, but it's another level because there was CPR. Like, like you yeah. were resuscitating someone's life. Like that's, it's another step above just a, another injury, which, um, was really terrifying. So the the look on their everyone's face, the shock. There was a, a shot of Josh Allen. The shock you could see on everybody's face to I think to see what degree it was that football was even in the conversation made it really really difficult across the board. Uh, the official statement from the Bills uh, that was about ten hours ago. This was like really really late at midnight. Is he? They said he had suffered a cardiac arrest following the hit. His heartbeat was restored on the field and he was transferred to the UC Medical Center for further testing and treatment. And uh, he was sedated and was listed in critical condition. Now, they did say that they were going to make an update on late Monday. And I think that's kind of what everybody is bracing for. I think uh, obvi- the or obvious. Late Tuesday. The, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, it is Tuesday today. It's not Monday. Yeah. We're not recording. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, late Tuesday night. And obviously the, the family, the Bills, the NFL, everyone's kind of, I think, patiently waiting just to get good news of what's going out of it. An incredible thing that happened. I don't know if everybody followed this story that happened as this went on is like like you said, what's so un- uniquely uh, horrific about this situation was like this had these steps that were really hard to follow while it was going on, you know, of, oh, my gosh, you have, you know, you have the ambulance out and you have resuscitation going on. And then, you know, players having to be out there and playing all of that was so tough. People were, I think, just looking for an outlet to do something. Everybody. And I'm talking about everybody in the world. Well, uh, DeMar Hamlin had a foundation and I, I imagine most people know about this by now. But he had a foundation for essentially getting toys for uh, children. Before the events happened, there's about like, I think, $2,500 or there was there's a $2,500 goal that was set to it. Over the last 24 hours, the outpouring, it has reached over $3 million in support they've put to his foundation. That is really an incredible step. Really great to see and people looking for something and some way to help and contribute and just send some good thoughts in this situation that has it's got everybody in sports shook up uh, so much so you know we were talking about this that uh, some people aren't doing shows today some people are uh, everybody is mm-hmm. dealing with the situation and the narrative of talking about it i think that's what's really difficult because i don't know how much you saw of it brandon a lot of people that talked about it last night that did not do a good job did not do a good enough job uh, and was, that's yeah. what makes it difficult. I was telling my wife, it, it's like, it's it's really hard for the studio people and and Aikman and, and you know and the broadcast crew 
to sit there and have to talk about that for such a long time because there's really nothing you can say like yeah. other than it's a it's a huge tragedy you hate to see it but it's like i it's i told my wife it's a tough spot because you can't just just riff on whatever you know is coming to your mind you almost have to process what you're saying because you don't want to say things wrong because the, the culture we're in you accidentally say something the wrong way and suddenly you're you're you know you're thrown out there in social media as a monster or, or you know you're you're not you know you're in feeling or, or whatever you know it's like it, it was a tough spot and it's like ideally they probably just cut away to something else and say hey listen this game until we know more we're gonna go somewhere else so we can let everything else just kind of you know go yeah. and we don't have to have people in the spotlight trying to talk about this well i mean they couldn't go to like highlights you know from earlier no. in the game or highlights to sunday night football or you know to all the sunday games you, you didn't have that ability and i think a lot of outcrying was again I, I i think it was it was such a difficult situation of like what are what is anybody to do here i i don't i think everybody did the best they could everybody in hindsight can tell like well this is what you should have done and, and i think everybody was attempting to it probably should have cut away like a lot sooner than they did but I think most of the people that were involved in the game did a really good job and they did a really good job mm -hmm. talking about it. And the NFL did the right thing. Troy Vincent uh, spoke uh, around midnight. I think it was about, you know, the NFL, they wanted to stop this and the ramifications of it, you know, in, in, in this entire situation is we're going to just wait. I think everyone is just going to wait to see how, um, how, you know, some status updates and, and how this is looking, how this is turning out because Roger Goodell, apparently there was word out a little bit earlier today that, he is in communication with, I think, both teams and they're they're just starting, I think, the early process of will they replay this game at all? And I don't think anybody knows, but I, it does sound like there's a timeline placed within a two day period. Uh, and I don't 100 percent know if that means Tuesday and Wednesday or Wednesday and Thursday, but it'll be a very uh, odd, unique situation if this game, I mean, I think the game at some point is going to have to be played in some respect. I don't know if it would be moved to outside week 18 if they're uh, if they're going to push it this week, but they are still talking about potentially having it go on this week. And here's the thing. The fantasy show is going to go on and that's what we do. We talk about fantasy, but how, how you know, it's tough. We're going to have to talk about fantasy when we're dealing with a heavy dose of reality, you know, and that's and that's that's the tough spot that we're in. But, you know, I mean, just to to put it coldly there that was a week 17 fantasy championship game that is hanging in the balance so what do league providers of fantasy games do what does the nfl do obviously it's all secondary to demar hamlin but as i said something's gonna have to be meted out and figured out on the fantasy side of things and come friday or or whatever or come at some point you're going to be filling out your you're going to be figuring out your lineup or figuring out the ramifications of what you're going to have to do and that's just and that's the reality of the fancy world we're in as well but it's it's tough to have it layered on top by such a tragic situation that we're having to deal with at the same time yeah and i think the big key for everybody is also for everyone to be patient and sit tight you know i think mm -hmm. uh, I, I saw someone kind of mention this and and uh, we are going to talk about by the way about some week 17 stuff we're going to get in some of that in here but this is important to talk about this i think is a very important thing as well and I agree with this statement of like, everyone needs to chill and everyone needs to sit back and everyone needs to let this play out. And that that has included the fantasy player. Let's see what is all going to go on if this is what your care is right now. And if that's your care, that's fine. And just let it work out itself. And the people that are not 
going to let it work out, those are maybe people you don't bring back in your league next year. If you know what yeah. I mean? If, if there's mm-hmm. going to be people that are going to make this entire situation difficult and we need an answer, maybe they could get an answer with a different league in a different yeah. year. You know, let you're this play get, out. You're going to have your answer. Like you said, just be just be patient about be patient. that. Yeah. Yeah. And hope and the providers, most likely the providers are going to have to step up. And what I mean, obviously, is Yahoo, Fantrax, ESPN. They'll have to step up to make sure that the the game is adjusted to whatever ends up happening and however they're going to end up doing or giving options. So let them do that. Let the situation uh, sort out because this was this was a literal life or death situation. So um, well, sending so all the thoughts we possibly can to the Hamlin family. What just out of just out of curiosity, what's your thought as far as a percentile chance that they don't play this game at all? Like ever? Like the, the like the, it's gone. Like it's Cincinnati Buffalo scrapped? game. And it's it just never gets replayed that Buffalo I, and Cincinnati end up playing, uh, you know, one less week. I would say one uh, percent in okay. my mind. What do you think? I, I think it's a little higher than that, but not a lot. You know? I think it, here's the plan. It is try to get this game in the next two days if it's warranted and they can. If not, I think this is something that happens after week 18. This is a. This is a a midweek, you know, maybe uh, again, I don't know how they do it. The the other difficult part is if they do play it on, let's say, a Thursday or Wednesday night, then you probably have to flex both of the I don't I can't remember week 18. Was it Buffalo, New England, you Mm -hmm. said, and uh, whoever the Bengals play Bengals. It's going to be a division Bengals and Baltimore. Okay, so they'd have to get flexed, I think, to Monday to give an extra day at least. Um, and or two games with mammoth playoff ramifications. And that's a problem. And that's why I don't think you can, I also don't think you can take away the game. can't just disappear. So it would either be this scenario, which they're probably trying to figure out, or it would be something that would happen after the season with a certain allotted time. And the biggest piece of that, that could, that could be difficult for them is they might have to push the playoff schedule a little bit. Maybe they have to push it a week because mm-hmm. of this. Or well, they have that um, extra super baked in. Uh, yeah, and, and, and that might be it. That. that might be it. They might have to bake that in right there. Uh, or they push up a game in week 18. They push up those two games in week 18 to maybe a I mean, again, it's it's a it's a very fluid situation that they are probably figuring out, and that's probably the entirety of all of this. And well, we're just gonna sit back. There's a couple other things to consider. I'm sorry, I mean I'm just running through a lot of scenarios, but if it yeah, is sure. after if it is after week 18. And suddenly Buffalo or Cincinnati's situation is is locked in. You know, you go from having maybe Joe Burrow or Josh Allen as your week 17 starter in your championship game to maybe those guys getting a rest, you know. So be patient. Yes. As, as a commissioner, I would say be be flexible um and you know and you know i had i had kind of like was thinking well what if this game is what it is and the you know how it ends up getting replayed you know turns everything upside down if you wanted i was looking at the idea of like the teams in my league like one guy had a 70 percent chance of winning based upon the projections you know both espn all the all the league sites have those projections i was you know like let's just just say it's say it's let's just say fictitiously it's 300 dollars for the winner and 150 for second place 
I was going to be like, okay, you both get 150, and then the guy who had 70% gets 70% of the rest, and the other guy gets 30%. You do something like that. So yeah, I think splits are a great way to do it. I, yeah. I, I will tell everybody, I, I am at, I'm in this situation. I'm in a championship game um, in a dynasty league where my opponent had Josh Allen, and he was down by... 30 something points like it, it, he was not projected to have that uh, it was he was projected at around 21 but beside the point like anything can happen in that situation i, I can tell you we haven't even talked about it like we, we haven't even discussed yeah, it that's not something either. i care about doing we haven't but to your point i do think um a way if it does get messy is doing a money split because i think money is what makes things grow sometimes do a money split even and then just play it out and then whoever wins it under whatever circumstance there's your champion but don't let money get in the way of that and i think what you're doing right here and you're kind of openly talking about it i think that's what everybody has to do you just need to everyone needs to not get gross about it and you know hold tight work through solutions, figure out a best one and maybe be a little bit flexible. I think that's going to be an important thing because, and unfortunately there's not going to, everyone's not going to be that way. There are probably plenty of you mm -hmm. listening that are dealing with a couple of people that are uh, losing their mind about it. And like I said, you know, maybe those you can go yeah. let them play in a public league next year and they don't need to be playing with you. So there's yep. a lot of ramifications of it. We will probably, uh, I mean, I would imagine we are going to have some more information about, the game itself, and most importantly, Mar Hamlin by, by the next episode where I will be with Jake Seeley and we will be talking about that, of course. And, uh, you know, just crossing our fingers that we get some really good news. I would say there, you know, obviously there were some good signs that came out of that entire situation and hopefully whenever they decide um, to give us some more information, there is good. And, and as you mentioned, there was actually a hockey player, and I'm completely forgetting it, that suffered this exact same situation, uh, I just want to point out, that took a puck to the chest. And went into mm -hmm. cardiac arrest and had this exact same situation. And God, I, it's killing me that I'm forgetting the name. But he like tweeted out, uh, uh, you know, in in good thoughts to Demar because he had gone through this exact same situation. So there are cases where this is definitely um, pulled through and turned through, and that's what we're really hoping for. Yeah, and it's actually, you know, like I said, it's a this hit to the chest thing, and in a way, if it's going to happen, like having it happen in a major sporting event is the ideal scenario for getting immediate attention, you know, and he had, he had medical personnel right there. So it's good that, you know, if it was ever going to happen to anybody, you know, it happened because we've talked about multiple sports. I don't feel like this was a football specific kind of a deal. Like you can play in so many different sports where this kind of injury can happen. So yeah. I mean, a lot of people are going to, you know, football is going to get dragged through the mud for the violence that it is. Um, well, Ryan Clark said that the next hit in the NFL is going to be the scariest hit um, that the NFL has seen. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and they're probably going to have to relook at some situations. That is a scary, almost unthinkable, you know, of all the scenarios you would have built out that not is probably not one that many are thinking like, oh, yeah, that is one of the potential injuries uh, that is going on. So, yeah, I, I, NFL will it'll get dragged. I don't think in a how they treated the situation, but more the violence of the game and that that put them on display again. This put the violence of the game on display again that we'll have to take. And I do agree with Ryan Clark's statement. This the next hit will be it will be scary. It'll be yeah. definitely scary. And, um, you know, hopefully we are never going to have to see something like this again. And however it has to be, however 
you know, they have to alter whatever, you know, whatever it is, if they have to have uh, alter the, um, the pads underneath or whatever helps the situation, this puts a light on it. And uh, hopefully, well, just, you know, there's light at the end of the tunnel for it. I'll just add really quickly because I'm out here in Seattle. Tyler Lockett catches for a long time, catches a lot of heat for he'll catch the ball in the middle of the field. And oftentimes he'll just drop, drop to the ground, yeah. drop to the ground. And I went on the thread last night on, you know, one of the Seahawks sites. And someone had said, "Hey, are we going to start cutting Tyler Lockett's a break?" And almost to a to a man or to a person, everybody's like, "Yeah, I'm not giving this guy a hard time for doing that. I don't. I'm not going to blame any NFL player for taking preservation steps in, in the middle of a game." And and I think that's 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 you know it's true. We got to start giving these guys some slack for not being you know our complete ideal of a warrior and playing hurt or, or taking hits and things like that and and start understanding these are humans that are just trying to preserve themselves so they can have a decent life after football yeah yeah and you know and and we're gonna we're gonna palate cleanse here because uh, there's no really good transition we can do to get into it so we're gonna break here for a second and then we'll jump back in and we'll do uh you know a brief recap of some of the big performances from week 17 but you know just to say in general is like everybody is also human in this entire situation so give everybody uh you know a little bit of slack and how every single person has kind of like worked through the there's a couple of people that don't deserve the slack but everyone's worked through this situation and uh you know, some people rose to the occasion. You know, Ryan Clark, I believe Scott Van Pelt. There were a couple of people that really stepped up. Booger McFarland stepped up in great ways. And everybody else is just trying to figure out how to um, navigate a situation like this yeah. because this is uh, literally almost unheard of. It's almost if you know if you know a person has empathy for the situation, then cut them slack. However, it's manifested in what they say. Yeah. You know, yeah. Whether whether they don't want this talked about, whether they don't want to even think about football, whether they don't want to do shows, whether whatever or if they do want to have some conversation around some of the pieces, I think both sides deserve some empathy in the entire situation, as long as everybody's understanding the real crux of the entire situation. So thank you guys for listening to us for like 20 minutes about this situation, uh, because. This is the first time I've like talked about it since it's happened. Probably you the same, like in this mm -hmm. type of respect. So we're just kind of talking through it. And I know you guys have probably had a lot of information about it, but um, hopefully, you know, that gave you some insight, at least in our minds and just, you know, maybe some different pieces here and there. I wish we had uh, really good information to share. Like there was breaking news about a really positive turn. Uh, hopefully we will have that for you here soon. So let's palate cleanse here for a second. Let's take a break. And when we come back, we're going to do uh, the second half recap and breakdown of some of the week 17 big performances. All right, Brandon, there were some big ones and we had some vintage. We, that was actually one of the weirdest things that came out of week 17 in my mind <laughs> were these guys that did not get you there that ended up having big plays. One of the biggest uh, I wanted to highlight was the Tampa Bay situation because we had vintage Tom Brady back in 432, three touchdowns and an absolute week winner. I just don't know who had him getting there, but you might have. If you faced Mike Evans, you did not win because he had 10 catches, 270 yards, and three touchdowns. And what didn't he not like not have a touchdown since like week four or something like that before this, or maybe that was last week? I mean, there was a bad connection issue going on with those two and absolutely blew up in week 17. Yeah, I had Mike Evans in a third place uh game, which was like the last place of payout. And um yeah, you're you're right. He hadn't scored since week four, so he's got six touchdowns on the season now. Half came in week seventeen. So, uh, and I did win. Um, I had needed every bit of Mike Evans to overcome the Daniel Jones performance. Which you I'm had sure Mike. Wait, you had Mike Evans in a championship? 
No, it's a third place game. So oh, the third. Like, okay, well, either it yeah, was okay, a no, the third place game, and in, in my league is third gets money, fourth gets nothing. So it's always kind of like, you know, it's it's a, it's a bigger deal as well. Um, yeah, it's a sure. consolation, but it's a nice consolation. So um, thankfully, yeah, Evans was a, a big reason why I was probably playing in the third place game, but also the main reason I won that game. So uh, it was nice to see, and I don't know what's like. Where was that all year? Like. You know, I so much of this last couple of months has been Mike Evans looks like he's hit the career cliff. He looks like he's lost a step, blah, blah, blah. But then there he was, you know, beating guys deep for touchdowns. So a lot of times during the season, guys will be hurt and we don't know it or they're going through something. We just don't know it. And I'm just kind of wondering because Mike Evans, I was watching a lot of that game. I had a lot, you know, invested in that. And he did not look a step slow in that game. And Tom Brady looked good, no. too. Um, well, but, see, that was actually my biggest pull is like, I've, I've watched some Bucks games and like, there were points where, I don't know, maybe Mike Evans looked kind of slow, but the thing is, is almost every single time it was Brady overthrowing him or Brady yeah, underthrowing him underthrowing or Brady or throwing a bad pass. And I think you'd also see, there was sometimes some bad body language that was going on with Mike Evans that maybe got interpreted to like, oh, is a half step loss and whatever. Brady has struggled so much this year that when he gets on maybe we start looking to other spots. This is, I mean, this is the best one I think we've probably seen. I mean, at least from a statistical standpoint, he was 34, 45, maybe just need to play the Panthers 34, 45, 432 with three touchdowns. That has not been him this entire year. He was making good throws. He was making some of those just in throws to Chris Godwin. I think there was a two point conversion where he just locked that into Godwin. I mean, he was making the throws that we saw from, that's why I call it vintage Brady. But no one was, I can't imagine anybody had Brady going in any respect because if he was barely a startable quarterback, if we're being honest, the last, uh, I mean, the, the yeah. season, I guess. I wouldn't even say the last couple of weeks, pretty much the entire season, right? Yeah. And I guess a big, I mean, it, it maybe is a selling endorsement of, of JC Horn's abilities as a, as a cover man because he did not play in this game. I believe it was what CJ Henderson who was kind of had to task to step up and, and fill fill in for him, but man, CJ Henderson did not have a good game. It, is that right? It was a CJ Henderson. Anyways, whoever, whoever replaced right. JC Horn um, is you know is got shades of toast on him today because yeah, I mean, and you're right, like Brady hadn't been good, so I, I just didn't have big expectations. And Carolina had just been trending well; they've been trending well as a defense in general. But um, losing JC Horn was a big blow, and. I don't know what else happened, but Carolina yeah. just did not look defensively like they've looked of late. Neither did Tom Brady look, you know, like he has of late either. You know, it's funny. So I'm going to do this the week. Was it 17? Literally put Mike Evans. I think this is going to be confirmed. Put Mike Evans and Tom Brady back into the one of their category. So weeks one through 16, Tom Brady was the 14th highest scoring quarterback. Check this out. Also, Two quarterbacks above him had played two and three less games. Tua was 13th. This is weeks one through 16 again. Had only played 13 games, had more points. And Lamar Jackson had only played 12, had more points. So from a points per game perspective, he was even a little bit further down. But total points scored, Tom Brady was 14th. You add this past week where he went over 400 with three touchdowns. He's now weeks one through 17, quarterback 11. So he jumped up into QB one just off of that one week. He was able to obviously surpass Tua and Lamar Jackson, but he also passed Justin uh, Herbert on that list. So going over to a uh, wide receiver doing half point PPR, 
I got to readjust that to half point PPR here. Weeks one through 16, Mike Evans was wide receiver. Where did he go? Well, I'm looking uh, at the six of the seven games coming into this last week. He had gone under 60 yards without a touchdown. And we said he hadn't scored since week four, but like, so sing, lots of like six of seven were single digit half PPR games. That's not good. That's not good. So, um, this is a why I keep looking at this like this is screwing up. So, check this out weeks one through 16, just not counting this past week. He was wide receiver. This is why I couldn't find him, by the way. He was wide receiver 26 on the season, one through 16. Guess where he jumped to? Adding week 17. Uh, so he was wide receiver 26. Just he, add week 17 to the list. Did he go by half? Is he up to 13? 11. <laughs> he moved up in half PPR to 11 to wide receiver one in total point. I'm looking at total points. He went up to wide receiver 11 from 26 to 11 in one week. I mean, that's also something to think about when you think about the total production of a year and you see the total stats. I mean, that type of move was significant for him, but I just wanted to talk about that and what Mike Evans did on the counter to this, the exact counter, two guys that got you there. And I, unfortunately, yeah. by, the, was by the way, sorry, just, just yeah. really quickly. Do you have that? The wide receiver 11, do you have his half PPR total with that? Yeah. Uh, th yeah. Cause this is half PPR. Uh, you mean total points, total points, 186.9. Okay. Cause I'm looking at week four and week 17 total out to, 70 points in half PPR. So that's, I mean, I mean, that's seven, like four, two I mean, that's weeks. Like, it's like 40, 40%, 40 some percent for two, for two weeks of the year. So yeah, yeah I those, mean, that's, that's a boomer bust type of thing. Yeah. Those are the kind uh, of guys you avoid in drafts. I do. I a hundred percent avoid the guys that got me there. This one really hurt because I, and I was rostering both of them. Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson, uh, probably the biggest donuts that, that really, really hurt. Kirk Cousins, uh, 205. In the fourth quarter, Justin Jefferson, they took out of the game, but they kept Kirk Cousins in when they were getting beat. He did end up getting, a, uh, I guess, a saving touchdown, but he threw three picks, only 205 yards with one touchdown. Justin Jefferson was held to one catch for f 15 total yards. And again, I had both of them. I know it's premature in it, and I saw some people being normal about it being like, Hey, at least he got me here. But do you think at all that little championship performance thing and tied to Kirk cousins, big game, Kirk cousins, Justin Jefferson getting absolutely shut down by Jerry Alexander. You think that's going to carry over into drafts next year in any way? I mean, from a, what I'm talking about is like, he's been seen as like the number one overall pick and especially in dynasty, but in like redrafts, like he was going in the top five. Do you think there's going to be any carryover to the dud performance of Justin Jefferson whatsoever? I think there'll be, there'll be some percentage of that. Like if I'm thinking for myself, I'm not going to factor that in too much because there is such a, you know, there's an overwhelming, like you know, how many games has he played 30 some games in his NFL career and like the overwhelming majority of them are elite and you have you you know you have a bad game every once in a while everybody does um yeah. i was having coffee with a guy this morning he's playing in a ppr league he lost his championship by three points in a ppr league and he had dk metcalf and justin jefferson you get mm -hmm. two catches 
for 18 yards combined out of that. Should not be losing your championship game that way. But that's, you know, this is NFL, no, no freaking logic sometimes any given no. Sunday. And it just happens. But um, you just hope it doesn't happen in week 17 in your championship game. Unfortunately, sometimes you spin the chamber and, that's, and it lands, <laughs> it lands on the bullet. It really, really did. And he's even regardless of that game, he still ended up um, as the number one scoring wide receiver through the regular season. You know, obviously wow. there's one more game to go, but he ended up being the number one total point scorer and the highest per game, regardless of that big dud that says a lot. Tyreek Hill, number two. And, uh, you know, Devontae Adams, number three. Devontae Adams, uh, after his big game, he was able to boost back up and total points scored over Stefan Diggs, who moved down to four, was pretty significant. And then that can just lead us right into the 49ers situation because I think there's some takes in here. Devontae Adams, he did go off seven for 153, two scores with Jared Stidham. Jared Stidham mm. did not look like what we thought was going to happen. He had 365, three touchdowns, did have a couple picks, but he was slicing and dicing the 49ers early on. So let's just talk about that for a second. We were laughing at the Raiders, and I think one of the number one used defenses in DFS was the San Francisco 49ers for obvious reasons, but that didn't end up working out. The Niners did pull off the win, but Jared Stidham kept them in this game, made good throws, and Devontae Adams was phenomenal. Well, so there you go. This is a this is the, this is kind of in a similar line of you know thought as a Justin Jefferson, just randomness of fantasy and anything can happen, but who would have ever predicted that the best game, the most offensive game, the the game that you know would swing a lot of fantasy championships was Brock Purdy versus Jared Stidham. Like you can never predict that, but that's what we got. And um, like I, I can't explain why Jared Stidham suddenly looked great, but um, uh, <laughs> I think because we just never seen him before. We really I think it wasn't his first career start. That he but didn't had he get in one game? in New England? I thought he had. I thought they said one. this was like his, I think he played games, but I don't know. Oh, now I'm gonna have to look. But I thought well, they I got, had said I, this. Yeah, was a he start. was a number three fantasy quarterback. So I have a list here. He's well, he's had three games previously in which he's attempted. Like in in 2020, he had three games where he had ten or more attempts. But I don't think you might be right. That might be his first start. Was which was wild. Night. But I mean, he'd been working with the team, and they had a. Uh, they just had, they had a really good uh, they had a really good rhythm that they were uh, th that they put with and you know I think that unfortunately is one of those reasons why Derek Carr is uh, out they had saw something that they felt that they could move the offense 49ers defense also just kind of was subpar overall they weren't playing well uh, Fred Warner you know really bad play against Darren Waller Darren Waller looked incredible 49ers one of the better um, down the middle coverage teams Fred Warner one of the best coverage linebackers in the NFL and he was getting torched. As well as the safeties, by the way, two of the hardest hitting safeties in the league, and they were just getting torched by Darren Waller, who was picking back up a little bit, and Devontae Adams. Do you think they had up. the same kind of thought we did about Jared Stidham? That there was yeah, a little hundred percent. They acknowledged it. They yeah. I think they acknowledged it. They said they overlooked. They were not. They didn't. Uh, they overlooked this team and Jared Stidham. And I don't know, you know, if you, you want to get cute with it, but we'll see where Stidham is next year. But he definitely revived uh, Devonta Adams. And I think this is a really good reminder because even though Devonta Adams stats look good, number three on the year, he really had some duds that held up that this is like a reminder that as long as the ball is getting thrown to him, that he's still a great, great wide receiver. And he made some incredible catches in that game. On the inverse, Christian McGaffrey continues to look like uh, a 1-1. 193 total yards of the touchdown. Also, in a, a couple opportunities where he could have had more touchdowns. It could have been like an insane... It, this could have been the game where we're not even talking about Mike Evans. We're talking about Christian McCaffrey and like 200 plus yards and three scores that he could have had in championship week. But he is crazy. 
but you know, we can just tie this in here because we're only going to do a few more, some rapid hitter ones. You and I don't have plans. We're not going to talk about like, you know, the waiver pickups and stuff like that, because first off, we're kind of at a standstill with everything in the NFL. You know, we're not having even mm-hmm. really normal conversations, but we don't really know what teams are going to do yet, what who's holding out, where we're going to get weird situations. So the best way to do it is we will tackle it on Thursday with Jake and just look for his article over at The Athletic. Uh, you guys can check out his ranks article that he'll have on Wednesday uh, night, and then it'll go through and it'll get updated as because this is the crazy week. This is where all the crazy yeah. stuff's going to happen. And, and, but and my tr- also to speak to that, Jake did put out his waiver column. It's uh, it's live on the site right now, and he does go through some scenarios and what teams will be thinking about doing in terms of resting players or not. And we'll have a clear picture to that uh, with the rank. So you got the waiver column. We'll have a clear picture for hopefully for the next podcast, and you will have the ranks that you can tie all this in together. But you and I off air were talking that the San Francisco 49ers might have one of the most interesting potential pickup situations because this is one of those weeks where you've got to imagine the 49ers. They're going up against the Cardinals who are beat up. Um, I don't know if the Niners have a ton to play for. I could be completely wrong about this. Uh, I'm not sure what the current Niners situation is. 12 and Minas- four Minnesota and, and the Niners are playing for the two and three spots. Um, so uh, I mean, that is something. Yeah, it's a difference. I mean, right now, I, I don't know. It's you know, if you're, would you want to play Seattle, who you've dominated twice? I mean, right now, Seattle's in, but it could be Green Bay, and that suddenly, do you want to play Aaron Rodgers and a Green Bay team that suddenly got really hot? Yeah. You know? So yeah, there's regardless some of the scenarios. point. And regardless of the point, though, whether we're saying, like, oh, the Niners are going to rest, what the Niners will do is they probably are not going to use a full capacity Christian McCaffrey, which opens up that guy like Jordan Mason might end up being an RB2 this week. If Christian McCaffrey were to be inactive, Jordan Mason might borderline be an RB1. And mm-hmm. Tyrion Davis-Price will probably get some run in there. I think you agree with that, right? Yeah, I do. And, and you know, Minnesota plays Chicago in Chicago. They're probably ha- taking care of business, and that'll be... And so San Francisco conceivably will, will open the day having to... I mean, if Minnesota wins, I believe Minnesota right now is ahead of San Francisco. So then that would just kind of solidify their fate. And, uh, if I'm reading that right, uh, it's a, I think it's a late game for San Francisco. It's an early yeah, game for Minnesota right now. Oh, sorry. San Francisco is a two right now. Minnesota is a three. So Minnesota wins. So Minnesota were, yeah, win. It they, would compel San Francisco. But again, you might end up playing Green Bay, and that might be worse. So, But also, uh, this is just a team that I don't think they're going to like be hard-pressed if they don't have Christian McCaffrey that they can still play competitive. I think Brock Purdy will be the quarterback. And, My guess is uh, they're playing to win, but like you're right, they're they're rest Caffrey regardless. And if that means, yeah, and they, I, I think, I, sorry, I go think, ahead, finish what you're saying. Yeah, I just think they they can win with their backups against Arizona at home, like the way this Arizona team is right now. So yeah, I think they're going to go all in on on. Getting, I don't think Christian McCaffrey plays in the third and fourth quarter, is what I yeah. would say, and I think that can enable a guy like Jordan Mason to be an RB two, even if you don't have the full on confirmation. So he's one of those guys that you're really going to want to look at this week really hard and pay attention to the narrative. Cause the 49ers might have some of the most unique situation. Juwan Jennings. Another thing, if, if, if this team had locked up, let's just say a weird scenario where the Vikings lost and the Niners were going to sit their big guys. Juwan Jennings is one of those guys that could end up being a, uh, a wide receiver three for the week. And you've also got the potential returns of Debo Samuel and Eli Mitchell. I don't think they play this week, but they're ramping up for the playoffs. 
and just you know see where all that goes. So pay attention to the 49ers in this matchup they have against the Cardinals because they might have some of the most unique situations. A couple other unique performances from this week, and then we'll get some final thoughts. DeAndre Swift kind of went out big. Yeah, I think people were kind of getting ready for this after he'd been such a disappointment. Can't imagine you had him here in the championship. 11 for 78 and a touchdown on the ground, 4 for 39 and a receiving touchdown. So two scores to go along with Jamal Williams, who had 144 yards and a touchdown, I believe leads all running backs in rushing touchdowns in the NFL, which is just crazy to think about what this Lions offense has done. Yeah, I had, I had, I was on board. I, I This felt like a DeAndre Swift finally getting a workload. I mean, and part of that was because Jamal Williams had been terrible, just terrible. I mean, like, you go, I mean, yards per carry is not what we point to as like the be all end all stat for running backs. But if you just want to look at that, he had an average four yards a carry in a game. And he was like a Mike Evans stretch, you know, it was like way back in the early season when he'd done that. And like the last three games going into this week, we're like all like 2.7 and under, like he just wasn't doing anything. And then you had Justin Jackson questionable with the hip injury. Just felt like this was a time they were going to give DeAndre Swift a bigger uh, shot. And they did. But they also, but then also, you know, Jamal Williams came back online as well. So, uh, it, I guess it's, you know, I think that's the Minnesota defense has a lot to do with that. Um, they've been just a, a, a tremendously giving defense, and uh, but I think it's also DeAndre Swift has they baby they kid gloved him for a while. Got to be completely healthy at this point, and it was really kind of a stars aligned opportunity for him. I saw someone make this statement. I'm really curious really quickly on your take about it. Someone was like, man, DeAndre Swift is going to be a fourth or fifth rounder and I'm going to have all the shares. And I thought about that and I was like, no, he's not. Like, I don't, I think DeAndre Swift might still be a back into the second round guy, but I think he's between late second and, and mid third next year. Do you think he's going to be more of a four or five? No, because I, I think there's, in any 12 team league, there's there's three DeAndre Swift truthers out there. And they'll be, <laughs> they, there will always be those guys because the talent's evident. I think the problem is, is that I don't think anything changes. I, like, I think Jamal Williams is loved. You know, you saw the hard knocks, how much he is like. He's a team a, a leader. Heart, he's a team leader, he's a heart and soul of this offense. And Dan Campbell loves him. And I think they know that DeAndre Swift, his injury history is he's not a bell cow. And we need to. We need to make sure that we can manage him through the season. And I think that's exactly what they did. So I don't think anything changes. Yeah. You probably won your fantasy weeks if you had Daniel Jones out, 177, two passing touchdowns, 11 for 91, and two scores. Cam Akers, who you might have picked up off the wire, 19 for 123, also caught a 10-yarder. So that's over 130 total yards in your championship week. And another guy that you might have had in the zero RB truthers can live on, Tyler Algier, 20 for 83 and a score really looks like he could be a bell cow if they wanted to do it, but he really was solidifying himself. Daniel Jones, Cam Akers, Tyler Algier. I definitely think you would uh, signify them as all championship winners for you. That came at very cheap cost, Brandon. Yeah. I'm just, I'm thinking about Tyler Algier for next year's draft. I think he has a chance to really kind of, he could end up being a back end RB two pick. I mean, People look at that and say, you know what? I think going into next year, they're going to go ahead and lean all in on him as their lead back. And I, I'm assuming Cordero's back. I haven't looked at his contract situation, but it makes sense at his point in his career that he's kind of like that orbit back, you know, and and doing more of the DeAndre Swift role. And Tyler Algier is their is their thumper, but he's looked good. He's I mean, he's really come on. He's passed the eye test um, the last few weeks, and I've watched him for sure. His contract 
is yes, he is going to be able. He'll be back for around four million dollars, and he's a free agent in twenty twenty four. People are curious, okay. so they'll be able to bring back this backfield, which will probably center around uh, Algier this time. Mm-hmm. And I think now you can. I actually I like the take around maybe fifteen to twenty carries a game. Let him be more of the workhorse guy. They're probably going to pass. This is going to probably be a more traditional offense maybe moving forward with Desmond Ritter that you're going to want to establish a run so you can get the passing game going. And I think he re- works really well for that, where Patterson can be a change of pace back. So we're going to see a lot of that in the NFL. A lot of league winners, a lot of other interesting takes out there. Any final thoughts uh, from Week 17 from you, Brandon? Uh, nothing nothing crazy. Nothing that's going to go viral. So I'll just... Nothing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's not go viral, actually. Let's yeah. not do that. Uh, so that is going to wrap it up here. Uh, that was, uh, I think, the last in-season episode uh, with uh, you and I, Brandon. So I've enjoyed I've enjoyed this entire season. I can't believe it just flown by that you and I did this entire season together. I very, very much enjoyed them. And uh, there's still another episode for everybody. It'll be me and Jake later this week. I don't know what is in store, if anything, for next week, though I do would love to do some mock draft stuff. So I'll at least say from the regular season, Brennan, I have thoroughly enjoyed doing podcasts with you on the football side. And I very, very hope, uh, very, very hope I get to do more with you very soon on the uh, Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. Yeah, amen, man. You were a seamless plug and play, replacing Michael Beller early in the season, and you were awesome. And I, you know, we didn't skip a beat with you and, uh, Love the rhythm we got into. So hopefully we can carry this uh, into 2023 earlier than just next football season. That's so right. Let's hope so. So uh, to all of you, uh, I hope you guys had a fantastic fantasy football season so far. There's obviously still questions out there. You know where you can find us. And let's all send really good thoughts to Damar Hamlin. A crazy situation that no one really would have expected uh, at any point, let alone, you know, the final, final weeks of the season. So like we said before, you know, a little bit of grace with it, a little bit of flexibility. Uh, everybody sit tight. Let everything work out how it's going to. And let's hope that uh, it is all positive stuff and that we don't have to really get into any of this insanity. But I'm glad we did an episode. I'm glad we got to talk about it. And I hope you guys enjoyed it right here on the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. Where we'll be back with you in a couple of days. Me and Jake Seeley. Until then, friends, be good and talk to you then. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.